Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. <clears throat> After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus goes out after he's baptized, he goes out into the wilderness uh, for 40 days and 40 nights and he's fasting. And, um, you know, some translations say that, you know, the, the, the devil was tempting him the whole time, the 40 days. Um, some say he came after the 40 days to tempt him. Um, who knows exactly which one of those it is, but doesn't really matter. Um, the fact was, you know, Jesus went to go fast for 40 days. I mean, what was that all about? Um, well, in Luke, it says that Jesus went into the wilderness um, full of the Holy Spirit. And it says he came out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. And uh, and I believe, you know, he, he was full of the Spirit. And then he came out in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he went around doing mighty miracles. And, you know, and I believe that we can, we can be filled with the Spirit. Um, but often we don't necessarily operate in the power of the Spirit. And uh, I believe that, um, you know, we don't earn that through fasting, but um, when we do spend time with God, fasting and praying, fasting is simply, um, it's saying I'm, I'm denying my flesh, my the desires of my flesh, what my flesh wants to do. Um, I'm not going to be ruled by my flesh and let my flesh lead me. No, I'm going to let my spirit lead me because it actually said he was being led by the spirit in the wilderness. And it's like he's going to, you know, fasting is about letting our spirit rise up into ascendancy in our lives and ruling over our flesh and over our mind, our thoughts, our fears, you know, those things being laid down so that our spirit can rise up. And we're spending time with God um, in his presence. We're getting to know the Holy Spirit. I believe in this time, Jesus was just walking with God, encountering God, being full of God. He wasn't being distracted. The wilderness, there's no distractions. Um, nothing out there to distract him. And uh, food wasn't even a distraction. He was just in the presence of God, being full of the Spirit and getting into the power of the Spirit. But God allowed it for a reason. And, and like, why hasn't God just taken the devil out? And honestly, I, I think God wants us to exercise dominion over the devil and to show him how defeated he is and that, that we are walking with God in dominion and we get to trample on snakes and scorpions. I don't go through this life afraid of the devil, fearing the demonic realm. I go through this life looking for demons to stomp on and to drive out of people. And I tell you, there's no demons that are welcome in my home, are welcome around me. If I feel any of that kind of stuff, I rebuke them, command them to go. Uh, you know, we have dominion and we can exercise dominion. Um, over the devil, over the demonic realm. And, uh, you know, it's a part of our sonship of who we are as royal kings and priests and, you know, of God. And, um, and so anyway, the enemy came and he tempted Jesus and, uh, you know, he tested him. And, and one of the things was he said, if you are the son of God, then, you know, command these stones to be turned into to loaves. And uh, it's amazing, like he tried to get Jesus, the son of God, to doubt that he was the son of God. Like, if you are the son of God. And uh, that's the enemy, that's, he does the same thing to us. 
You know, if you are a child of God, if you are born again, if God really loves you, then you will do this or do that. Or, you know, he tries to get you into works to try to prove that you are born again or a son, a child of God. Um, he, he'll try to get you back into works. And I, I don't need to do any works to try to prove that I'm a son of God. I know that I'm a son of God. And so if I do anything, it's not to try to become a son or to try to prove that I'm a son. It's just I do it because I am a son, a child of God. And, uh, and so nice try, devil. Then Jesus answered with the word, um, you know, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus was obviously hungry. And Satan said, you know, turn the rocks into to loaves. To, into bread and if you're the son of god then you can do that and uh jesus didn't need to do that and like even in his hungry state he said it's, it's man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of god and that is the most important important thing it's hearing the voice of god moving with the word of god and um you know not things things want to distract us food possessions um entertainment fun you know all those things are not wrong but they, they want to consume us and the enemy wants to get us consumed with those things and not with God. And the devil came to Adam and Eve you know, and tempted them with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they saw that it was good for food and it was pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining knowledge. And um, he tried to tempt them with that. You know, and Jesus said, it's, we're not supposed to live by those things and run after those things, but we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Okay, then verse 5, then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on a on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. So he tried to trick Jesus again, you know, if you are the son of God, throw yourself off, you know, you know, God will protect you because, you know, the scriptures, he tried to use scripture and, um, you know, that's the, the, the devil hasn't changed. He is still trying to use scripture. And I tell you, there's so many believers that are just so religious and they're not, they're not operating from the voice of God. They don't hear the words of God, the voice of God. They just caught up in religion. They disconnected from God. They caught up in works and religion it's because the devil has just twisted the scriptures. That's what the devil is doing here. He was twisting the scriptures. And that's what religion does. It twists the scriptures. Um, and, so, and so, yes, the scriptures are important. But what is very important is being able to hear the voice of God. And these scriptures are inspired by the Holy Spirit. They're inspired by the breath of God, the voice of God. And so it's not just about knowing the text. Okay, The text isn't going to save you. If Jesus jumped off off the pinnacle and, and said, yes, the scriptures, you know, that, that's not going to save him. <clears throat> it's knowing the voice of God and, and a part of knowing the spirit, knowing the voice, is knowing how to actually interpret the scriptures. And so when you hear scriptures that are twisted and out of context, like the spirit within you will help you to discern, you know, the voice of God will actually help you to discern what is the truth and what is a lie. And sometimes Christians or even, you know, preachers will preach certain things from the pulpit and it will sound so right. And it's the scripture. How can it be wrong? But they, it's like a twi it's twisted. It's out of context. It's only half the truth. And, and that's the thing. Like 
the, the devil doesn't hide behind full-blown lies. He, hard, he hides behind half-truth. Okay, he hides his deception behind half-truth and behind scripture, scripture out of context, so that, it, so that when you um, try to attack it, it seems like you're attacking scripture, which is uh, very deceptive. And um, so for us, it's not just about knowing the scriptures. It's actually, it's about knowing the voice of God and, what, and walking with God, knowing the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that um, we actually don't need anyone to teach us the truth because we have a spirit in us. The anointing in us teaches us the truth, leads us into truth. And it's, it's a discernment. We discern in our spirit what is truth, what is lies, what is right, what is wrong. We can discern between spirits. And many times I've, I've listened to preaching and the person preaching, they're saying all the right things, but it's coming from the wrong spirit. And it's not coming from the spirit of grace. It's not coming from the spirit of God. It's coming from either from the demonic realm. It's coming from the, their own human psyche. Um, it's coming from their religion, twisted ideas, whatever. Um, at the end of the day, we need to just walk with the spirit. That's what Jesus was doing. He was learning how to walk with the spirit in the wilderness, fasting. Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So Jesus answered with the scripture as well. Verse 8, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is, he's like had enough of him. Just get out of here. Who do you think you are? You're going to give me the kingdoms of the world? Don't you know who I am? I am the king of kings. All these kingdoms are mine. You just think that they're yours. But, um, you know, he, he, the devil thought he had gained the kingdoms of the world through Adam, through fall, the fall of Adam. You know, Adam had dominion and then he sinned and he fell. And it's like he surrendered that dominion to the, the devil. Um, and so the devil thinks he's got dominion, but uh, Jesus actually is the one who has dominion. And at the cross, Satan fell like lightning. He was disarmed, defeated. And so he doesn't have dominion. He actually doesn't have true legitimate authority. He has illegal authority, borrowed authority. He's actually a defeated enemy. Jesus, in, in Matthew 28, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. And so Jesus actually has all authority. And so the devil tried to get Jesus to fall down and worship him. And uh, that was just useless and pathetic. Jesus is the king of kings. And uh, he just had enough of tolerating. He just said, be gone, Satan. And, uh, you know, we can do that. Enemy comes at us. He's quoting scripture, religion, lies coming at us. You know, all these scriptures. And we don't, you don't just have to tolerate it and just take it and just daily, just all the time. No, sometimes you just need to stand up and say, Satan, get out of here in Jesus' name. I rebuke you. I command you to go. I know the truth. Um, I know the word of God. The word says, for it is written, um, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Um, and so that's the truth. Don't, you don't bow down and worship Satan. You worship God. And, and only him shall you serve. Verse 11, Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Some translations say the devil left for a more opportune time. Um, it's like he didn't find an opportunity there with Jesus. And actually, he never found an opportunity with Jesus. Jesus never gave him any opportunities because Jesus walked in his dominion. 
And you and I, we can walk in dominion. We don't have to give the enemy any opportunities. He doesn't have authority in our life. And through the cross, Jesus closed every door, broke every curse, generational curse. All that stuff is broken at the cross, ended at the cross. It is finished. And when we're in Christ, we're in the king, the kingdom. We come out of the dominion of darkness and come into the, the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And um, so the devil's got no authority and power in our life, but he'll look for opportunities. He'll look for vulnerabilities. And, um, you know, if, if we're just, if we're in unbelief and we're in doubt, if we're in fear, he'll exploit our fears, our doubt, our unbelief. If we're messing around in sin and this kind of thing, he will use those as opportunities to bring more of that stuff in our life, try to take us deeper and deeper into darkness and away from God. And so I love the fact Jesus just said, be gone. Jesus knew the word. He knew the voice of God. He knew the spirit. He knew only to bow down to Jesus. He knew that the, his food came from God. And, um, and so he just, he didn't, he knew that he was the son. He was the son of God. He didn't have anything to prove to the devil. He didn't have to fight the devil. Uh, we don't have to, to fight the devil. We don't have to prove anything to the devil. We can just say, shut up, go. I'm a son of God. I know who I am. I know God loves me. I know God provides for me. God's my provider. I don't need to do it for myself. You know, I worship him and him alone. I serve. And, uh, and we can just walk with confidence in God. No fear in the devil. We get to exercise dominion and to rule and reign over the devil. We get to trample on snakes and scorpions. Amen. Too many Christians are afraid of the devil, walking in fear, Ooh, you know, afraid the enemy's got some kind of special power. The devil's got no special power over you. He doesn't have some kind of sovereign rights that are greater than the cross. Okay. He's got to come through the cross and he can't. He, the cross, he stops him. And we go through the cross into Christ's victory and we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is our high place of authority. And so our authority comes from being in Christ. It doesn't come from our performance. It doesn't come from this or that. If you are the son, prove it. You know, if you have authority, prove No, I, I'm seated with Christ. I don't have to do anything. I just, I just sit in my authority. I stand. I walk in my authority. And... Um, and say, so, yeah, I'm not afraid of the devil. You don't have to be afraid of the devil. You can rebuke him and command him to go. And you can walk in dominion. Verse 12. Now when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death on them, a light has dawned. So Jesus went to go live in his new hometown, Capernaum. That was in Galilee. Galilee was in the north and Jerusalem uh, and Judea. That was that was in the south. Uh, People in the south, Jerusalem, Judea, they consider themselves more pure than the people in the north. <clears throat> the north people from Galilee had an accent, and that is because um, a lot of them were taken, were exiled from there and taken off, carried to the east, and they were replaced. They'd sent foreigners to come and take over their lands and houses and that. And so after many, many years, the people of Galilee were 
kind of uh, a mixture of um, Jews and foreigners and, and it mixed. A lot of them were, were Jewish. They'd become, become Jewish, converted to Judaism. Um, but uh, the people from the south considered the people in the north not to be that pure. Um, and so kind of looked down on them a little bit. Anyway, Jesus went to go and live amongst them near the Sea of Galilee and uh, in a place called Capernaum. Verse 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So he wasn't saying, come to me and confess all your sins. He was saying, repent, change your mind, change your thinking, um, change, shift your thinking from works and from Moses and from law and shift your thinking, change your thinking to faith, receiving me, Christ, as the Messiah, putting your faith in me. Why? Because the kingdom is at, is at hand. Under Moses, under the law, under works, you couldn't gain access to the kingdom. It was out of reach. Um, when you died, you went down. You didn't go into the kingdom. You, you went down and had to await for the coming Messiah. But now that Messiah is here, and, and through Christ, through the Messiah, you can... Um, be born again and enter into the kingdom. And so now it's time to transition your thinking out of works, out of Moses, and into faith, into grace, and into Christ. Repent for the kingdom is at hand. It is here. It is within reach. And we know all you have to do to enter the kingdom is to believe in Jesus and be born again. And you'll enter the kingdom. All right, so that was his message. Um, <clears throat> a lot of people will say, no, he went around preaching, repent, you know, confess all your sins. And that's, that's just religion, thinking that we can save ourselves by our confession, confessing all your sins. You can't, you can't remember all the sins you've committed. If our salvation was contingent on our confession, we'd all be lost, okay? Um, a confession of our sins, we'd all be lost. Uh, our confession is Christ. We put our faith on Christ, we confess him. We acknowledge that we're sinners, yes, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Christ is that savior. I receive him as savior. Thank God he saves me from my sins. He gives me eternal life and I repent. I repent from trying to save myself from my dead works. I repent and I turn and I put my faith in Jesus. Amen. Verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. So this is actually in the second year of Jesus' ministry. He didn't take on disciples straight away. Um, but into his second year, he started to take on the disciples. And so he sees um, Andrew and they, uh, you know, these guys and they're fishing on the Sea of Galilee. And he said to them, verse 19, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. You know, that's wonderful. They, they, they obviously recognized that Jesus was the Christ. I mean, they were willing to leave their livelihood, their business, their job, their income. They just left it all right there and then. Just dropped everything and just followed Jesus. And that's, that's awesome. That's, that's total surrender. I, I love that. Um, you know, that's what we're called to do. When Jesus says, follow me, you know, you, we, we're just ready to surrender everything and follow him. And, um, and so they did that. Um, you know, I, I also like this from a point of, you know, people being in full-time ministry. Not that you have to be in full-time ministry. Um, you can be a tent, make, tent maker missionary. 
you know, in ministry and you, you work, you have a job and you work on the side, you run business, work, whatever, earn an income and do ministry sort of part-time. But there is also a place for full-time ministry. Um, there's some people that say like, you know, no, that you shouldn't be full-time in ministry. You don't need to be full-time. You should still work a job. And uh, I just love the fact that these disciples, they just, they left their full-time jobs and they went and they followed Jesus full-time. And, uh, and then he trained them, he raised them up as apostles, and they became the leaders of the first church and went and preached the gospel full-time in ministry doing that. And so there's a place for, you know, being in ministry. I mean, every believer is in ministry. And um, some people, they work while in ministry, um, a, you know, a secular job, and others are full-time, you know, in the ministry. And both are totally okay. So I just, I don't like it when people say, oh, there's no, you shouldn't be full-time ministry. I have a real issue with that. And then they try to twist scriptures about Paul. You know, he didn't receive a wage from the Corinthians. And if you actually look at that in context, which we're going to, you'll see that when he preached to the Corinthians, he was receiving a wage from the Philippians. Uh, actually from the, Macedon yeah, from the Macedonians. And um, he was receiving an income. And he only sometimes did tent, you know, made tents. Um, only sometimes, but a lot of the other times he was actually receiving income and finances whilst full-time in the ministry. And there's no hard and fast rules. You know, people try to make a, a rule about it. It's like, you don't have to do that. Just, just do what works best. Do what God's called you to do and just be free. Be free to work and minister. Be free to be full-time in ministry. Um, all right. And so here we have an example the disciples, they left their nets, they left their job, and they went and followed Christ full time. 21, and going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boats and their father and followed him. <clears throat> Verse 23, and he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Um, so his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted uh, with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. Some translations, he healed them all. And great crowds, great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. This is, this is absolutely awesome. This is in Christ's second year. It's called the year of popularity. He was raising up disciples. He was imparting to them um, the things, the stuff, he, what he wanted them to learn. One day he was going to entrust the church to them. And, um, and so what an incredible privilege. They got to go around with Jesus and learn directly from him. And so Jesus went throughout all Galilee and uh, he was teaching in the synagogues. And so the, you know, the Pharisees were in control of the synagogues. Jesus actually was a rabbi, a trained rabbi, a teacher. And, um, and so they allowed him to come and teach in the synagogues, they, you know, sometimes they loved what he was saying. Other times they hated what he was saying. He was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. I mean, they hadn't heard the gospel of the kingdom before because suddenly now the kingdom was at hand. 
and he was the fulfillment of it. And, um, you know, he wasn't giving all these principles of kingdom lifestyle. And, you know, a lot of people say that this was like the message in between the old covenant and the new covenant. It's the gospel of the kingdom. It's like, no, the gospel of the kingdom is how to enter into the kingdom. And that is done not through works, but through faith. Um, faith in Jesus, receiving Christ as the Messiah. And uh, that's the gospel of the kingdom, how to enter into the kingdom. And that is that faith, that the kingdom is, is now at hand. It's reachable. You can enter the kingdom. How? Through receiving the king of that kingdom, who is Jesus, the Messiah, and putting your faith in him. Now, yes, the kingdom has its own culture. There is a kingdom culture. Um, but that, that is not this, that message, the gospel of the king is not different from the new covenant. It is the new covenant. It's, it's the message of grace that it comes through Christ. Okay. Entering the kingdom comes through Christ. The gospel of the kingdom is the message of Jesus, that he's the king of the kingdom and that through him, we enter into the kingdom. And I just love the fact that he went around healing every disease. I mean, it describes all the different diseases, um, and he just healed them all. And the wonderful thing about that is it reveals that it was God's will to heal. And a lot of people have issues and they struggle with this whole concept of healing. Um, Jesus came to reveal the will of God. It wasn't to make people sick. It wasn't to put sickness on people. Jesus came and he took sickness off people. Some people believe that God makes you sick because he's wanting to teach you something. Well, Jesus, you know, didn't show that to be true. Jesus, you know, if, if that's the case, then Jesus was contradicting the will of God, you know, by taking the sickness off. But Jesus actually came and he, he just, he took sickness off. And um, he never said, you know, I'll heal you, but I won't heal you because God's trying to teach you something, but I'll heal you, but I won't heal you. No, he just healed all of them. So many times the Bible says, and he healed all the sick. And, uh, and which shows that it is God's will to heal all. Jesus came and he only ever did the will of the Father. And uh, I think it's awesome. We need to just um, surrender to that, not try to fight it. And we don't base our theology on our experience. Well, I prayed for someone and they didn't get healed. So obviously it's not God's will to heal them. No, we base our um, doctrine and our theology on the word of God, not our experience. Okay, The disciples try to heal the demonized boy and they couldn't. And then Jesus came. They brought the boy to Jesus and, and the father said, oh, we, we try to heal him, but your disciples, they couldn't. Um, and Jesus said, oh, unbelieving generation, bring the boy here. And he healed him. And the disciples came later, why couldn't we heal him? He said, because you don't have enough faith. And so the first step to healing um, is, is to realize the problem is never with God. The problem is with man. Okay. And Jesus had no problem saying you didn't have enough faith because you didn't have, why didn't we get healed? Because you didn't have enough faith. You know, and oh, no, that's offensive to tell people that, oh, it's that just hurts people's feelings. Jesus didn't care about people's feelings. He cared about the truth. I mean, he loves people and he does care about feelings, but he also cared about the truth. And sometimes our, our experiences that have formed our theology have created strongholds and lies and traditions in our mind that actually nullify and block the power of God. And we have to have those things blasted and blown out of our mind. And sometimes that's what Jesus did. He had to come with truth and blast it out of people's minds. The problem is never with God. The problem is always somehow with human beings, um, with us. And maybe we don't believe. We don't have faith. And Jesus said, you know, if you pray and you have faith, you'll receive what you prayed for. 
you'll be able to say to this mountain, be uplifted. Um, and whatever you pray for in faith, you will receive. And uh, But a double-minded man, unbelieving, doesn't have what he prays for. And so at the end of the day, it comes down to faith, trusting in God. And the thing is, we can trust in God because he's revealed his will. And his will is to heal. And so if you didn't believe it's God's will to heal, then you can't have faith. Okay? Um, if you just think, oh, no, he heals some, he doesn't heal others, then you can never have faith. You just can pray, oh, I hope I get healed. Um, but you can't actually have faith to be healed. But if you know absolutely, unequivocally, without a doubt, it is God's will to heal anyone, anywhere, anytime. Um, it was revealed through Christ, his will, and that's to heal people, to heal all. If you know that that's the truth, then you can have faith to be healed. I know it's God's will to heal me, so I can have faith to be healed because Jesus took my sickness on the cross and God doesn't want me to carry the sickness. Jesus already carried it for me. And so I can put my faith in Jesus and receive that miracle through faith. Amen. Now, you know, we're getting better at our faith, stronger in our faith, but that's why we need the word of God to build our faith. The, the will of God that is revealed in the word, um, revealed through the life of Christ, that is what builds our faith. Don't let experience, don't let failure dictate what your faith is going to be. Because um, a lot of times we fail and then we just struggle and we don't believe and we just resign. Oh, God heals some, he doesn't heal others. And it's just a lucky draw. No, it's not a lucky draw. Um, it's, it's, it's the gospel. It's the victory that has come through the cross. We can rebuke sickness, command it to leave. We can receive healing. Um, and that's what Jesus did. They brought all the sick from all the surrounding areas all over the place they brought him the sick and he healed them all and he drove out demons and um and then i love i love the fact that um that it says uh, so his fame spread throughout all syria that was the region galilee that that whole area jesus became famous he was starting to become really famous because there was no one else doing healings there was no one else driving out demons um you know, and all, people were sick, infirmed, ill, demonized. And all of a sudden, here comes this man who's claiming to be the Messiah. Could he be the Messiah? Yeah, we think he is. You know, we heard this. We saw the heavens open. We heard this big voice. Um, and he's doing all these miracles. Like, who else has seen the blind eyes open, the cripples walking? Who, who's seen people being set free from demons? Who else has seen it? And, um, and I tell you, they, they, they just, they would go and gather the sick. You see it, they brought the sick from all over the place. They're saying, man, you've got to come to this guy. His name's Jesus and he's healing the sick. It's awesome. If you will get your sick body, if you'll get yourself to him, I'm telling you now, you're going to be healed. And that's what happened. Fame spread throughout these areas and they brought the sick and all those who came got healed. And that's just awesome. And I always wonder, like, what did that look like? Did he pray for them one by one or did he just do mass mass prayers and mass healings and what i love is that this is in the word of god it's in the bible i love the bible and i believe the bible i believe the word of god jesus healed the sick everywhere we went there was no sick person who came to him that he didn't heal he healed everyone who came to him every single person who came to him for healing for prayer that wanted to receive healing, they got healed there's no one he turned away no one he rejected. No one he said, oh, no, no, sorry, you got unforgiveness in your life. You can't be healed. He prayed for the crowds and they all got healed. I can guarantee you this. There were many in the crowds who had sin in their life, 
who had unforgiveness in their life um, and even doubt and fears and worries and even unbelief in their life. And Jesus healed. He healed all. And um, he just he revealed the will of the Father. It's to heal everyone. And when he hung on the cross, he took sickness on himself. And by his stripes, we are healed. I tell you, as we have faith in that, there's a release of the power of God, the victory of God, the promise of God, and we can receive that healing. I've been prayed for when I've been sick numbers of times. I had glandular fever, throat was on fire. I prayed within 24 hours, completely healed. It was awesome. I've prayed for people that have been sick. They've been healed. I know many people that have prayed, seen blind eyes open, cripples walking today. These, in this day and age, there's still miracles. People say, oh no, miracles have passed away. I'm telling you now, that is a lie. That is not truth. If you start to believe that stuff, if you let that get in, it'll rob you of faith and you won't see miracles. Jesus said, these miracles will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll drive out demons. They'll lay their hands on the sick and the sick will recover. These miracles will follow those that believe. And so, oh no, I don't see any miracles. I don't believe it's for today. Yeah, that's because you don't believe. It's because you don't have faith. You don't believe in this stuff. And so you're not going to see anything. Jesus said, all things are possible to them who believe. And so, you know, he's, he did miracles then and he's doing miracles today. Jesus is the same yesterday, today. And forever, he he's didn't just stop being God. He didn't stop being supernatural. People say, oh, no, now that perfection, now that the word has come, come you know, miracles have ceased. Uh, I'm telling you, that is, that, is, that is rubbish. That is a lie from hell. That is like one of the twistings of the enemy. Of course, the enemy is behind that lie. Why? Because it means that people are going to stay sick because of that lie. People won't reach out and take a hold of healing, receive healing because they've, they've, bought into a lie. Um, no, the, 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 the truth is Jesus loves us. He healed back then to reveal God's will. And he's the same today. It's God's will to heal people. It's God's will to heal you. Um, anyway, praise God. I, I just love the fact part of Jesus' ministry was going around healing people. And Acts 10, 38 says how, how Jesus um, Christ of Nazareth was anointed by the Holy Spirit and power and went around doing good, healing all those who were oppressed by the devil. It's not God that puts sickness on people. It's the devil that puts sickness on people that wants to keep people sick. Jesus went around taking sickness off. And a lot of people are trying to blame God for sickness, saying God puts the sickness on people. No, the devil puts the sickness on people. God is the one who takes it off because he loves us and he loves people and he's got the power to do it. Um, but you need to have faith and believe. So many times you see, um, Jesus said, according to your faith, let it be done. And people receive their miracles because of their faith. It's like their faith connects. It's the conductor that connects with the power of God. Like the woman, the issue of blood, she touched his garment. Jesus wasn't praying for her. He was going somewhere. She touched and it's her faith. She said, if I just touch his garment, I know I'll be healed. And it was a faith that connected with the power of God. Power flowed out of him. He felt power leave and flow out of him. And she got healed. And he said, daughter, you've been healed because of your faith. And so many times Jesus said, because of your faith. And so faith is the key to being healed. And there was times when people didn't get healed. And what did Jesus say? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's not God's. He said, no, it's because of your unbelief, because your lack of faith. He said, believe in God, have faith in God, and you will see 
these miracles happening. Hey, this is Ryan Rufus, and I hope you enjoyed this last chapter. Could I ask, if you've been blessed by the Grace Bible Commentary, would you consider making a donation to New Nature Ministries to help support the ongoing work of the Grace Bible Commentary? That would be greatly appreciated. To do that, simply go to newnatureministries.org. Thank you and God bless.